T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It's the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. Thursday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, and thank you for being here. Wow. Were you ex- Tell me the truth. Weren't you excited when you heard about the 50 migrants being sent to Martha's Vineyard? What could be better? What could be more delightful than playful jabs from one side of the aisle to the other to highlight ridiculous public policy? It's ridiculous that we have a one party that represents half the country that is eager to make sure they can pack the nation with as many as many folks who've come here illegally as possible. Did you hear uh, what DeSantis said? Uh, I don't know. Play it. We are not a sanctuary state, and it's better to be able to go to a sanctuary jurisdiction. And yes, we will help facilitate that transport for you to be able to go to greener pastures. You see, the, the good part of the joke here is the joke is on taxpayers in states like Connecticut where you've got pandering to, I'm not sure what the voting block is, I, I guess pandering to people who aren't legal voters yet, figuring they can vote before they're legal voters, and also figuring, well, they're just going to get they're just going to get all kinds of attention for this, right? And it magnifies the divide. It's just beautiful policy. So that's Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida. He's the guy who sent these 50 people, I guess it is, up to Martha's Vineyard, flew them up at taxpayer expense down there, and it puts pressure on Connecticut officials. I'm sorry, Massachusetts officials. But the idea is the same, which is if you are a part of the beautiful people who think bad schools are the way to go. And if you, especially in urban areas, if you want to put pressure on your urban schools, like the uh, Democrats in, in Connecticut do, the best way to do it is to get more people into the state who don't speak English, more people who've come from violent uh, governmentless countries who are un- unacclimated to the idea of living in a society that has rules and regulations and, you know, really is a oppressive kind of environment as we have. 
that creates disorder and disarray in cities, huge burdens on teachers. Talk to teachers who have to do English as a second language or other type of, uh, what do they call it, forward-facing jobs, and, and they'll tell you it's agonizing to try to manage a program that is set up for 50 kids and, and it has to deal with 75 kids or 100 kids and it has to do 150. The whole thing collapses under the pressure and, and uh, peop, you know the kids are just left on their own. This is how Democrats keep the schools so bad in the areas that they underserve, the urban areas. 860-522-9842. Share your excitement. Just how you reacted to this story, because I just think it's such a beautiful story. Did you know that uh, the migrants also showed up in front of uh, Kamala Harris's house? I heard that, yes. Did you hear the interview, too? No. You have that as well? Yeah, yeah here it is. Oh, this is and Vice President Harris uh, said that the border is closed. Is the border closed? Do you believe that the border is closed, or is it open? It's open, not closed. The border is open. The border is open. Do you believe that all the migrants believe that the border is open? Yeah, everybody believes that the border is open. It's open because we enter. We come in free. No problem. Free. And, and But it's open for you to come illegally, right? Illegally, yes, illegally. That's true. And you came illegally? Yeah, we came illegally, not legal. And this was right outside of her house, uh, <laughs> this interview that they're having, which that is, uh, that's is so, so ironic. That is so delightful. Well, now she's lucky. You know how she used to say, we've been to the border. We've been to the border. Now, now she doesn't have to go to the border. The border comes to her. I mean, it's honestly, it's a dream for her. What a wonderful bit. Can you play that cut again? That is a priceless cut. Oh, my, that is beautiful. And stuff. Vice President Harris uh, said that the border is closed. Is the border closed? Do you believe that the border is closed or is it open? It's open, not closed. The border is open. The border is open. Do you believe that all the migrants believe that the border is open? Yeah, everybody believes that the border is open. It's open because we enter. We come in free. No problem. And, and But it's open for you to come illegally, right? Illegally, yes, illegally. That's true. And you came illegally? Yeah, we came illegally, not legal. Oh, that is, that is just wonderful stuff. These people, you know, you keep waiting for the, the collision of the fan and the stuff flying through the air. So it can really take off. And, and I feel, I always feel the Democrats are getting close to that moment when the explosion is going to come and just junk is going to be flying everywhere, soiling everything in, in, within vicinity of the Democrats. But, but somehow, I don't, they just move on to a new crisis and that one dies down. But this thing with immigration, I like how the Republicans are keeping it alive. It's, it's just uh, heartwarming. It is. It's heartwarming and encouraging. And um, what other word can I give it? I don't know. Heartwarming is the one that, and, and uh, it makes you laugh, which is always a good thing as well. John and Avon, hi. Yeah, how are we doing? What's up, John? Well, you know, I have, you know, it just, just makes me so angry. It really does. You know, because it goes on to the, you know, I'm a, I'm a proud Republican, you know, and I have no problem with people coming in. My problem is the way that it's happening right now. Because, you know, for people who pay taxes like I do, you know, to hear that 
oh, we're giving them free housing and we're giving them jobs. I don't have anybody paying for my housing. You know, I pay taxes. Nobody gives me anything. And it's like you, these people are just, I mean, and then the Democrats who say, oh, well, we have no problem letting these people in as long as they don't live where they are. I mean, what is that? Well, that's how that, that's how they are. I, I haven't heard them admit that, though. Have you heard them admit no, that they? When you see the response, like I don't remember who that. Um, oh, you mean because they're being sent to uh, Martha's Vineyard? I think or, yeah, that's one. But then there's or New York or wherever. I think when they move to Chicago and they're saying, "Oh yeah, we're in Sanctuary City," then they first bust of the migrants. Oh, they're sending them here because they're racist. Really? <laughs> I mean, seriously? Yeah. That's really where they're going with this? They say, hey, we love to have them. And then when they get the first bus of them, oh, my God, the Republicans are doing this because they're racist. You're the one saying that you have no problem with these people being here. What? Unless they're not where you are? As long as they're not where you are, even though you say that you'll take them in. You know, it's just it's frustrating because it's like. Well, look, the whole country is frustrating right now, the way our politics works. And, and, I know. Uh, and it's just like, to listen the, to Curtin Jean-Pierre, and uh, I'm sorry, that, I mean, I mean, different context, she probably would have been a great person, the way she delivers her message and everything, but to constantly lie about stuff, oh no, people aren't walking over the border. What is that, a joke? Yeah, well, they tell a lot of jokes. John, thank you for the call. I'm glad you're frustrated because that's the right way to feel. Quick break, 860-522-9842. Rant line number 860-751-4698. This is WTIC. Miss something from the Todd Feinberg Show? Listen to the podcast on WTIC.com slash podcast. So, didn't it make you feel good when you heard that Ron DeSantis sent 50 migrants straight to Martha's Vineyard, which is a luxurious place. It's a beautiful island with lots of really expensive real estate, and this is what the... uh, this is what the presidential press secretary said about it. They deserve- Wait a sec. Push the button. Here we go. They deserve better than being left on the streets of D.C. Well, she's got a point there. D.C. is kind of a rough place. It is. There's all those politicians around. There's a lot of crime. And most of it's going on in the Capitol. Or being left in Martha's Vineyard. They deserve, deserve a lot better than that. The, the, the vineyard is a pretty good place to, to be left. It's a lot better then being on the border border when there's two million people uh, in the last 10 months have either been detained or returned. What's the word? Expulsion. Ex- expelled. So well, the vineyard's pretty good, I think. No, no complaints there. Pete in Litchfield. Hi, Pete. Yes. <clears throat> Todd, thank you. Uh, I, I saw a documentary the other night. Fascinating. You probably have seen it, but you're... Uh, your listeners would be well to, to listen to it. It happened in 1968. Uh, ABC had a problem with the convention. They were the little little boys on the block, 
and they put uh, William F. Welkley Jr. and Gore Vidal together. As you know, William The debate. Welkley, yeah, and it's uh, 10 days of an hour and a half each. It's called The Best of Enemies. I, ha- I got it on uh, Amazon Prime. Uh, you can Google it and see. It's amazing. There were 10 days of the Democratic Party in Miami, uh, in Miami the Republican Party, and 10 debates uh, in the Rep- Chicago in a Democratic Party. I'm just, he, obviously, you know that Buckley was a conservative libertarian, and I will say that Gore was a, uh, you know, he was a, a, a liberal Democrat. But they were both beautiful, eloquent human beings, and they could talk. Yeah, great uh, speakers and great thinkers. Now, the one thing I will say he said, and I'm going to paraphrase this, Gore Vidal said 20% of the people in the United States have most of the money, if not all the money, and the other people, etc. We need equality. And, and you'll, you'll see this line because it's fantastic. And William Buckley said, if we have equality, we do not have freedom, which was amazingly co- comeback. Yes. <laughs> I mean, just fantastic. And I think you, more than any other person, this, this is, you, you know what happened in 68, well, you were too young probably, in the nope, Democratic... Nope. I, I was watching it. Well, what I mean to say is, it's something you're going to feel good in the heart about because it's your world and what you've been trying to do. And mm-hmm. William Buckley, of course, uh, can add to anybody's uh, thinking... And Gore Vidal is pretty darn good himself. Yeah, I've seen some of it, not all of it. Great stuff. Thank you, Pete. I will uh, check it out on Prime. James calling from Simsbury. Hi, James. How you doing? Hey. Yes. Uh, I I just, uh, you struck a nerve with the Martha's Vineyard thing. Uh, my wife and I we used to own property right in Vineyard Haven, and we sold it about less than a year ago mm-hmm. and bought some property in New Hampshire with the with, with the profits of whatever we had. Well, I bet you got a lot more in New Hampshire for your money, did you? Oh, yeah, yeah, and some left over. But the thing was, while we were there, I mean, we've had a place there for at least 13 years, mm-hmm. and there's been a housing problem just with regulars on that island because they all kind of move around, and then you've got the people that come in for service like uh, restaurants and stuff that come yes. in from different places. Yeah, the restaurateurs have to own their own housing property, I think, for the... Uh... Kind of like that. But yeah. You, you know, yeah, but they've had a housing problem way before this, and now you've got this. I say I know of a place where there's a mansion with a lot of acres. They can pitch a tent. <laughs> Are you talking you know? about Barack Obama's house on the vineyard? I, I didn't say that. Well, but is that yeah. what you're talking about? I'm asking well, you. Well, Hey, you know, they, they wanted this kind of thing, you know, why not? You know, yeah, it's pretty funny. Uh, there you go. Yes, it is. It's kind of ironic in a way. James, thank you for the call. Good to hear from you. Stephen Suffield. Hello, Steve. Hi, thanks for taking the call. I, I love this subject of the illegal aliens, and I think it's poetic justice where they're shipping them to, but this is a different subject that's been, people haven't noticed this. They just appointed a new treasurer in the United States. Did you see that story by any chance? I didn't. Lynn, Lynn, Marilyn Malerba, Google it. And okay. Biden appointed a lot of fanfare. She's an American Indian. 
she's chief of a tribe. Oh, yes, I did hear about this. All right, all right. Yep. But now, I read the whole story, and what it interestingly didn't say is it didn't say what qualifications she had to be treasurer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, figure the treasurer, we have ter- turmoil going on, the currency, contro- you know, printing the currency, controlling where the currency goes, national debt. Treasurer's a very important person. Her credentials, from Googling her, she basically is a nurse who has a bachelor's in nursing, then she got a doctorate in nursing. She ran a cardiology unit in Connecticut, and now she's treasurer. But she is an American Indian. How does this make any sense at all? Well, only that all of our politics now is done transactionally. That is, policy is made as payoffs to constituencies who you want to ingratiate yourself with. So if yeah, you watch, if you watch the Biden administration, not. everything they're doing is about buying votes. It's the same as Jolly Ned. But I mean, this is outrageous. I mean, not an accounting background, not an economist. She's a nurse. Now she might be a smart person, but she has no background whatsoever. How is this possible? She's the chief of the Mohegan tribe, a lifetime yes. appointment made by the tribe's council of elders. Prior to yeah. becoming chief, she served as chairwoman of the tribal council. She's got a lot of experience. It doesn't happen to be in, in the federal government's treasury department, but maybe this job is uh, more ceremonial. The, but, you're basically a, you're a CEO of a large company is what yeah, it's more but they don't which do, is not what she's done. I don't think anybody does anything right in our government or, or doesn't, you know, certainly not coming out of the political side. So I, I'm not saying you're wrong to be upset with it. What I'm saying is this is encouraging when they're so obvious about it because all of government decisions, so-called policy, is now made this way. Did you hear Biden, by the way? Oh, later on, we've got to play some Biden cuts. Right now, we've got to get to news, though. 860-522-9842. This is WTIC. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. something from the Todd Feinberg show listen to the podcast on WTIC.com slash podcast
There is so much good stuff happening today. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna pack it all in. Right now, though, Kathy Flaherty is back. You remember Kathy? We talked to her last week. She's the executive director of doing this from memory now. The um, CLRP, I think it is, Connecticut Legal Rights Project, and that is a group that. Um, well, I'll let Kathy explain. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Todd. How are you? Ex- explain yourself once again. Tell Gosh. people what your passion is and, and why you do what you do. Absolutely. Um, Connecticut Legal Rights Project is one of the state's legal aid organizations, and we work at the intersection of mental health and the law. So we provide legal services to people who are eligible for mental health services from the State Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services. So our clients live with mental health conditions, and they also are low-income. Does this so mean, we, when you say you're, you're at the intersection of those two things, yeah. are you saying that you're there in order to, to force the state to provide the services that they provide? It's not exactly, although that's a really interesting question, because unfortunately the law does not provide an affirmative, legally enforceable right to treatment. But what we do at least try to ensure is that the Patient's Bill of Rights, which is a section of the Connecticut General Statutes that applies to people who are getting services, whether in an inpatient or an outpatient behavioral health facility, that those rights are respected. Wow. That was, that was a great explanation. Just to uh, a suggestion of how complex the navigation of these terrains are. So we talked last week about what you do and about some of the challenges and what what was the takeaway for you your first time doing this with us on WTIC I assume you've been on the radio before but did uh, did you reveal stuff that you wanted to reveal did other people have feedback that you want to respond to what what was your takeaway Um, unfortunately I'm trying to recall if I were able to listen to the rest of the show after I was on the air. No, I meant just um, did anyone call in, you or in anything general, like Yeah, that. a couple people said they had heard it, and I think one of the things that I know that I appreciated was the opportunity to talk with you, you know, about what we do and why we do it and the perspective we have, because I think the conversation that sometimes happens around mental health is talking about the system as kind of an unalloyed, always benevolent good. And I think what some people don't realize is the very painful reality of how these things that are designed to help people sometimes can be harmful, um, either inadvertently, because I don't know that um, a lot of people realize that you know, for example, unlike going to an emergency room for a physical condition and deciding that you've been waiting around too long so you just want to leave, that when you go there complaining about psychiatric distress, you're not necessarily going to be able to leave against medical advice and that you can be held in the facility longer than you may choose to be there yourself. <laughs> like years longer. So, so I didn't think you were going there. I just thought you were going to talk about the difficulty of um, dealing with... So going to anybody who's been to the uh, motor vehicle department can say there's something incredibly undermining and even humiliating 
that you can experience when dealing with government bureaucracy that is unlike anything else that one generally experiences. And I would think, you know, being at a doctor's office and having to wait an hour and a half for the appointment and no one comes out to talk to you about it or it's been an hour, you know, those kinds of things, even if you're healthy, are difficult. But if you're struggling with mental health, I would think it'd be overwhelming. And I think it is. And I I don't know that it's necessarily that it's, a government-provided services or just that it's the nature of mental health services overall. I think one of the things that we didn't really get a chance to talk about, because I did have a chance to look at my notes of all the things that I wanted to talk to you about, mm-hmm. and I feel like we missed some of it, is that sometimes when um, we talk about mental health, are we labeling the individual as somehow being defective or broken or needing to be fixed? as opposed to looking at some of the larger systems. You know, if you are struggling to keep a roof over your head or to be able to get food or you're just physically and mentally not well, you know, that is going to cause an inordinate amount of stress. And so if you then are saying, oh, we need to fix this person, rather than looking at these overall systems in which we're all trying to live. Um, it kind of gives people the opportunity to not look at the bigger picture mm-hmm. of things and just continue um, to try to address situations on an individual level. Because I have a question for you, if okay. you don't mind. Sure. No, so I if I were to tell you that people with mental health diagnoses die 25 years earlier, mm-hmm are up to 25 years earlier than people without them. What would you think is the reason that is? I would say from uh, lack of treatment and economic distress. Okay, because that, that's actually not what I expected you to say. So, um, And you are probably closer to the mark. A lot of people think it's because of suicide, mm-hmm. and especially because September Suicide Prevention Month. Um, but we die of the same things that everybody else dies of, cardiovascular disease and diabetes, but some of those things are actually caused as side effects of some of the medications that get prescribed because they cause a lot of weight gain and metabolic disturbance. So you're saying early death is driven for people with mental illness by the treatment they receive? Sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that we don't often talk about and you know especially part of the conversation that I wanted to have the chance to have with you and hopefully expose your audience to in case they haven't heard it you know a lot of people because frankly I think this was something even I believed way back when was you know why won't people just take their medication and if they took their medication everything would be better and it's like well who takes their medication as prescribed for anything thank you I mean, there's exactly nothing unique. If, there's nothing unique if if uh, if something that's supposed to help you maintain a uh, mood uh, equilibrium or something like that is treated the same way as something you're supposed to take for your blood pressure or your cholesterol. Yeah, people are notoriously uh, committed to the idea of self-prescribing, mm-hmm. and, and part I, of that's probably rational because. You do get these feelings. The, the point I was making before wasn't about government bureaucracy per se uh, with regard to how you get treated when you're waiting for something, but bureaucracy across the board. 
But government bureaucracy is worse, I think, because there's no um, there's no market incentive to be prompt and courteous and and to do a great job like there might be in a in a corporate environment. You know, you you can have the same negative effects of bureaucracy in the commercial world, but there is at least with some places the uh, the leverage of being a customer, and that provides some ability to get people moving. I think that's true, especially when you're not dealing with places that have monopolies, so you really don't have much choice. Right. But I think when people have opportunities to make choices for, you know, for example, what pathway they want to pursue towards their recovery, it's more likely to be a long-lasting recovery. And so what I wish we saw more of was, and, and it does exist in some ways, a certain amount of flexibility and respect for people's autonomy mm-hmm. um, and self-direction. And that's sometimes something that our clients don't always get to experience. It's systems imposing um, themselves on our folks and saying, this is what we as a system need to see from you as an individual um, if we're going to move you along to the next step. Ooh, I like the something. way you frame that. Let's shine a little light on that. We're talking with Kathy Flaherty, Executive Director of the Connecticut Legal Rights Project, fighting for the rights of people trying to get mental health services that are somehow uh, doled out or connected to the state of Connecticut. Now, can you say that again? Because the language you used was beautiful. Well, I think what... It- what many of our clients experience is an, instead of being able to really self-direct the course of their recovery, they get trapped in systems for a lot of different reasons that say, this is the path forward, these are our expectations of you, and if you are unable to meet those expectations, you will get stuck here. Um, and Stuck here meaning you'll never get out of this ward we're putting you in? It could mean that you're not going to get out of the hospital because we're not going to discharge you, or we think you need to be in this level of care in the community because we don't think you're capable of uh, being in in an apartment with voluntary services, or, you know, for people who have to interact with, and this is why I say, the peculiar intersection of mental health and the law, you know, there are some people who are civil patients uh, because they were civilly committed here, and then there are other Does that patients. mean in place of punishment because they weren't of no, sound Civil commitment mind? just means not criminal. Okay. So they haven't uh, been accused of a crime um, because there, there are lots of different reasons that people are in the hospital, mm-hmm. um, but people who are attached to the forensic mental health system, which means there's a combination of some criminal legal system involvement, some people are sent here for what's called competency restoration because they've been accused of committing a crime, but they've been found not competent to stand trial mm-hmm. because they can't assist their lawyer, they don't understand the proceedings, things like that. There are some people who have been found not guilty by reason of mental disease or defect, so they are under the jurisdiction of the Psychiatric Security Review But I, I would think that in any of these cases you're talking about, the, the idea that you're being told that you don't have the power to make your own decisions about your own care 
right off the bat. Like if you had no mental health problems, that might give them to you. Mm-hmm. Kathy, hold on one second. I want you to respond to that, but we've got to take a quick break. Now, back to the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. Kathy Flaherty is executive director of the Connecticut Legal Rights Project, known as CLRP. She's an attorney. And my goal in talking to her is I feel that anytime we dive into government and find out what government does, that we learn lessons that are important about how government operates across the board and seeing some of its um, the damage that it does, whether intentionally or, or unintentionally. But it's important for everybody to learn, I think, how things operate. So that's my goal in the conversations. Kathy, what is yours? Well, I think my goal in having this conversation with you is to share lessons that we've learned over the years um, from our clients who are part of the system. I think one of the best things any attorney can do is really create space for their client's voice and perspective to be heard. And a lot of the folks that we serve say that working with us is one of the first times they get listened to. I think people ought to know um, what their legal rights are and how to exercise them and how to assert them and how to fight for them. Um, I I do want to say that, you know, I remember the end of our conversation, you're like, is there anything that gives you hope? And and I think there are things that, that do give me hope in this system is, one, you know, a lot of people get services uh, from Demas every year. You know, they provide services to 100,000 people in this state. And I'm that's a lot. If you, if you really think about it, whether through DEMAS directly or through the private nonprofit providers uh, that DEMAS provides the funding to. So that is a pretty significant proportion of our population. Um, and I do think that there is a lot of potential um, to recognize the strengths that people have and orient the system towards people's recovery overall. And I think as we've had more options of where people with their firsthand lived experience of being a person living with a mental health condition or living in recovery from a substance use disorder, having opportunities to lead organizations um, that we can bring our experience to those roles. And I, you know, for myself, I think the fact that I've had experiences as a patient, as I sometimes say, on the other side of the locked door, whereas now I have a badge where I, get, I can open that door and I can let myself in and I can let myself out, um, I've had the experience where I wasn't able to do that. All right, and we I, have just a couple minutes left. So what, what would you like to, hopefully you can come back and do this uh, next week, same day? or close to that and and if so and if you want to do that why don't you set us up for what the continuing conversation will be I'd be happy to do that as long as you're willing to talk to me I often have things to say so happy well, to that, share that. <laughs> we it sounds like we are a match made in heaven then so what would you like to say about um, 
what you might like us to learn next week or things you might want to cover? Because well, I feel like it, we're at a starting point, and maybe I you can point are, us and, in a direction. And, and I think one of the things that I, I would love to have a chat with you more about is some of the organizations in our state who are doing that advocacy work and lifting up people's voices and giving people opportunities to contribute to conversations. I think that could be something we talk about, and that might lead to other guests you might choose to invite on your show. Oh, I like that. One of the things I would like to talk about is, have you ever done the math on how much money gets spent and, and what the per, um, per I, whatever the measure would be, per patient or per incident, whatever the measure would be on how how much it costs every time somebody gets into the system and where the inefficiencies are. Because one of the things I don't like about this, how government does these things, is it decides it's going to the, be the purveyor of services, and then it decides how much people are going to get paid for providing certain things. And I, I'd like to dive into how all that works. I think I may be able to contribute to that conversation some um, because I, I spend a fair amount of time uh, reading some of those government documents that are produced um, mm -hmm. every year and, and are filled with lots of different numbers. Um, and I, but I think the important thing to remember is, you know, behind all of those numbers are actual people, and we shouldn't forget that as we're having those conversations. Yeah, well, that, that's how I feel, too. And there's actual people... Uh going to work every day and and paying for those services to be, be provided and some of those people might need them and and might never dare to to enter that system for fear of of what they might encounter so it, there are a lot of complexities i think to uh to gain some power over kathy flaherty executive director of the connecticut legal rights project so we'll talk to you next week same time and now we're all prepped for it Sure, and if I, if I can't make Thursday at three thirty-five, I will. Yeah, we'll let work you know. it out. We'll work it out. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy. Nice to talk with you. I, I see that there are people who want to discuss this, which we can do, and maybe you can give me some pointers for next week. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.